This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Thuramor, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Thuramor, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Prayer Culture Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God in prayer a little bit. And uh, we have Tim Lorman on today. So Tim Lorman is a great friend. Uh, And in just for a little context, uh, Tim is involved in his local church. Um, He also has started multiple prayer gatherings um, at his church and even in his home and has just been very faithful in that. So, uh, Tim, let's just start there. Talk a little bit about what inspired you to start that first prayer gathering in the mornings that you had at your house. Yeah, um, I was uh, my wife, Jordan, I. We're just moving back from San Antonio to Houston, and we had an experience at the church we were part of in San Antonio where there was a it's a, a, a culture, a real culture of prayer um, and the conversation, practically what we would lived out, a weekly prayer meeting. Um, and, and so I just had a... I left there with a desire to see more of that mm. in my own life as I moved back to Houston. And so um, as we were coming back to Houston, I mean, one of the first calls I made, and even while I was, while I was still in San Antonio, I called friends, brothers I knew who were kindred spirits, like uh, Zach Platt, Matt Akers, and, and I'm just like, let's, let's get together and pray. And uh, for those brothers, it, it was, you know, I'm there. Mm-hmm. So um, that started, and I think we went for five years, five plus, and actually some of the brothers are, are still meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting enough, during that time, one of our most frequent prayers was that God would cause more groups of uh, praying people throughout Houston. And um, it's interesting because, you know, uh, then I got meet you, Michael. That's, I mean, like your burden, you're, you're doing that. You're trying to create that. And I hear, hear regularly of groups like that. So it, mm. it seems like uh, that was definitely an answer to prayer. That's awesome. And then you also started a prayer meeting at our church, uh, Genesis, uh, which has been going on for what, five months now, four months. I don't know, something like that. That's right. Um, and I continually hear you praying for the Lord to grow prayer meetings. Um, so, uh, Tim, you have a high view of the sovereignty of God and God's workings. And I know a lot of people in the audience have that, too. I think all of us believe that God is doing certain things. Um, but in terms of like that high view of the sovereignty of God, you couple that with this burden for praying that has so much faith in it. Like you, you expect God to do things. How do you do that when you, how do you pair those two things? Yeah. Um, the way I, I pair them is I think it's, it's all really based in the character of God, my understanding of the character of God. And, and that's how I understand his character is revealed in scripture and who he is and I think just as important is is my experiential knowledge of his character. 
Mm. And and I think both of those are just as key. And I think oftentimes, myself included, we we rely so heavily on just our our Bible-based knowledge, which is essential, and we can't do without of who God is and His character. Um, but we don't we don't as uh, the hymn goes, uh, we haven't tried the Lord. I think the Lord is is there wanting to show us mm. in real time the reality of how he's described in scripture. And so I think what's made the difference or, or what's uh, at least how I, I see it is, you know, there, there's no, there, there's really no contradiction between a God being sovereign and him being faithful to answer prayer because it's all part of who he is. Mm. And as I've grown in getting to know my heavenly father, um, and, and just getting to know his promises from scripture, I find in, in reality, a God who is so willing to, to move on my behalf mm. and, and uh, meet, meet me in, in my weakness, meet, meet me when I uh, am, am just even in the small things. Um, yeah, I think it, it, you know, for me, it just comes down to his character, who our God is. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. So, uh, Tim, just kind of along those lines, in terms of your experience, I know you've had times where you've prayed for something for years. Um, what's maybe some of those things that you've prayed for for a very long time? Maybe it's a specific person or a specific thing. Um, and maybe somewhere it's like, hey, God answered this one. Give us just kind of some experiences there. Yeah. Um over the, the so the the things that I've I think I've prayed for the most over the years have been um, my my own besetting sin, um, which is a we're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we are, I, I don't kidding. need to get into details. But um, I, I just don't I, want to talk about mine. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I find that is probably my most constant topic of uh, prayer, mm. uh, just because I'm faced with it in the greatest level of just, it's just right in from, front of my face. Daily. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. And, and even the fact that it's right in front of my face daily is like a prayer request. God, mm. would I not be so consumed with mm. myself? So um, that is a constant biggest prayer, which, which I have found, I think we all find as Christians that the Lord in his sovereignty, a mystery of mysteries allows me, even with my sin, it's there to draw me closer, hmm. more intimate. Um, even in the midst of the struggle, it's, it's there to, uh, turn, turn me heavenward. Um, hmm. so that's a, the longest and, by God's grace, he's he's brought sanctification. Mm. Um, Amen. And I think the second thing is for, uh, I, I find, and I, I, don't, I don't have any great answers, but I find it to be the hardest of prayers is just for salvation to those I love but are, mm. are still uh, rejecting. And it's, you know, fa family members. I, I, mean, I remember like my cousin, Matthew, who... See, you know, shortly after the Lord saved me when I was 16, I shared my faith with him and it seemed like the Lord saved him, but he, he went the other direction. Mm. And uh, to this day, I continue to pray for him and for his two brothers who I mm. love. But so it's I find those are the longest prayers. And, um, you know, I'm I ask myself regularly, I ask the Lord, why does it 
Why does it seem hard, hardest to see souls, uh, it, which I, I find we pray, most of us probably pray that the most. And I just feel sometimes I wish there was more fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I don't know the workings of God with that and how all that works out. But I, I, I guess back to the topic, I know I'm to pray for that. I'm to be faithful with seed with that. And I guess one of the things that I've heard someone say recently, I just believe to be true. I think more and more I feel the necessity to be talking with the Lord on those things. Um, not that I'm not faithful with my words, but it's like, why don't I talk with the one who channels the hearts of kings? Mm. Um, Come on. Then, then even you know, of course, proclaim uh, the gospel, sure. uh, sow seeds. But, but, but he is more persuasive than we could ever be. Amen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, so it's that. That gives me hope. And I think back mm-hmm. to the original one of the, one of the earlier questions. I think you know, it's really the character of God that it, it's. I can just fall fall back on a you know faithful father um if we know how to give good gifts um how much more and we being evil how much more does our father mm. in heaven know how to give good gifts mm-hmm. N- namely above all the, the holy spirit yeah um that's right come on yeah, that's good so um Tim, you kind of touched on this but in terms of the when you're praying for something and it seems like in that season, God is not giving you a yes. What drives you to keep praying for that thing? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's understanding that um, the result is a secondary issue in my mind. Mm. The primary issue is uh, intimacy abiding in Christ. Mm. I think I have, we can easily make an idol out of requests. Mm. Um, and it, it, it really turns into a false God. And I'm, I'm guilty of that where we're just going to God to get something. And mm. I think, and, and this is continual. Um, the goal is me walking with God. Amen. The goal is, is intimacy it's abiding in Christ. Now, you know, when Jesus talks about abiding in John 15, he talks about what comes from it, but his whole main thrust is abiding, mm. is walking, is intimacy. So right. I think that's what's helped me is that um, one, and just in this whole conversation, I think of, you know, when I think of the sovereignty of God, I think of being bold in requests as one, a, a, a healthy understanding of my own fallenness and weakness of character his character is uh perfect Mm. impeccable and Mm. and mine is not so i don't i don't fully i'm just content i don't fully understand it i to the best of my ability i want to take these requests as i see them to the lord and uh, i'm just in my good moments uh i'm content with just the fact that i don't i don't fully uh, mm-hmm. understand why it's not a yes sure. and that, that shouldn't result in fatal i'm not talking about fatalism like i've sure. just resigned because i think man we i want to get bolder i want to get bigger i want to mm. he's this isn't just my little pietistic god that i've created this is the creator of the universe mm. That's right. who's moving and controlling all things so there's not a too big of a request mm-hmm. for our God. Um, but, uh, you know, 
I don't know exactly how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like how I'm getting that. I, I taught something about evangelism on this, but it's like, um, the greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. So you're having the greatest command in the first place, right? Is just love for God. I'm, I'm doing this because I love God and he says to do it and I love him. Um, and I trust him with the results uh, completely. Amen. So yeah. I love that. So you, Tim, you mentioned a fatalistic idea about prayer and how it works and and about moving God's heart or things like that and about persistence in prayer, you know. Um, So when you talk about the sovereignty of God and a high view of God's sovereignty uh, paired with a high view of prayer, a lot of people really struggle with that because they don't find a logic in it. You know, if God is completely sovereign, then it's it's like God's sovereignty is this suitcase, and when you unpack it, you it's like the the belief is he's going to have whatever he wants anyway, you know. So I I can't pray things into him. I can't what if he's already decided, he already knows he's going to do what he wants. If that is what it means for God to be sovereign, then why are we praying? And that is a fatalistic idea. You know, yeah. it's like whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway. It's just fate. So how would you respond? You know, if somebody came to you, um, because they knew, man, Tim is a Tim is a, a guy who has a high view of God's sovereignty, um, and and then they find out that you really believe in the power of prayer, and uh, and they were just going, why? I mean, I don't understand. You know, what what's the point? Yeah. I mean, how would you respond? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, if, I if mean, you just uh, shrug your shoulders, we're done. <laughs> we'll just wrap it up. <laughs> I, I think the technical term of of what a lot of people in our circles may call this like hyper Calvinism mm. and, and uh, you know, interesting enough, I heard a gentleman by the name of Phil Johnson say that uh, hyper Calvinism has killed more churches than Arminianism ever will. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's true. And, um, and, and what I think it is, is, is simply put, and this is why I, I want to go back to where I started, which is on the character of God as revealed in scripture. And I think what uh, someone who has that viewpoint, which you described, is doing is they're they're just they're using their own mind their own rationale to come to conclusions that scripture does not come to Mm. those are not they're not in the bible Mm. and what you get from paul when when you know and and on one side of this whole and i want to keep it out of the debate for because for me i don't debate these things it's you know and i'm kind of surprised to be on podcast because i've just lived trying to live my life as a follower of christ right that's why you're on here (laughs) yeah and so um but the way the debate typically goes is like you know someone who's more of this Calvinistic persuasion, which I tend to be, goes to Romans 9 and says, you know, who are you, mere man, to say to the, you know, uh, to the potter, why have you created it like this? But the funny thing is, is that hyper-Calvinists do the very same thing, Mm. which is a lot of people I don't think realize that they come from that that persuasion, which is they're saying more and they're, whether they realize it or not, they're saying more than scripture mm. says, mm. which is scripture uh, does not represent it, it really. In essence, there's a 110% responsibility upon men mm. for his actions. Mm. The believer, 
110 mm. percent unbeliever require action is required mm. yet at the same time god is completely responsible so every imperative in scripture towards me i'm responsible for that yeah and so now i don't like to debate these things but just how that works out in my practical life is just i can and this is this is i take it out of that category because i don't think that's how the lord wants those things to even be he just he's looking it's a relationship based reality mm. The promise is there. The truth there is like you get to the end of Romans 9 and you get through 10 and you get to 11 and it's just worship. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the it's the correct perspective on myself, mm. which is a low, mm. broken pot mm. and a high view of God. Yeah. And so I think the question is just has to be just demolished and I demolish it and get passionate about it because I think it does injustice to God. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And God, God deserves it all. And that's where Paul gets at the end of 11, Mm -hmm. where he's just so worshipful Mm. is I think that's the right result. If the end of like reading Romans nine is you feel confident and really great about a, a top, you know, a uh, your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. You just have misread it mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. And I think that to answer your question in a nutshell, it's just a misreading of scripture. Mm. Not only the words, because the words say what they say, but the the creator of those words, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, the Father, mm-hmm. the Son's intention behind those words, mm-hmm. which is a life. Given is Paul in Romans 13 a life laid out and a sacrifice to the only one who deserves yeah. all we have? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Very good, amen. Amen. I love it. I feel like I went to church, so yeah, yeah sorry for getting Hallelujah. preachy. No, that's uh, great. That's, uh, perfect. Why, little, that's why that's you're why you're here. That's why you're here. Yeah. I got all excited. Dude, we have some amazing friends. We do. We really do. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm glad that my friends are a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for the podcast. We'll uh, see you again next time. Thanks, guys.